This is Because I Said So, parenting advice with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Roseman. Welcome to the show. Uh, Glad you could join us. Uh, The show is heard every week on American Family Radio exclusively on radio stations across the United States of America at 6 o'clock Eastern Time on American Family Radio stations across the country, 5 o'clock Central Time, 4 o'clock Mountain Time, 3 o'clock Pacific Time. And uh, anyway, glad you could join us. I'm your host, John Rosemond. The show is called Because I Said So, and it is called Because I said so, because those four words are associated with traditional parenting of which I am a champion. In other words, I am not a purveyor of progressive parenting ideas. How'd you like the alliteration there? I am not a purveyor of progressive parenting propaganda. That's even better. I am a traditionalist. My parenting advice is rooted in American parenting tradition and biblical principles, which is why I am on American Family Radio. If you want to learn more about me and my parenting ministry, uh, you can go to my website at John Rosemond, and that is spelled J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D.com. And uh, you can find out that I am a outlier psychologist who doesn't believe in psychology. I believe the Bible is sufficient for instruction on how to live a proper, moral, responsible life. You do not need psychological therapy. All you need is God's Word. And churches do not need to involve themselves with psychologists and should be especially wary of people who call themselves, and it's a disingenuous label, folks, whether it's used uh, disingenuously or not, purposefully or not, it is disingenuous, people who call themselves Christian psychologists. Folks, a biblical worldview and a psychological worldview are in complete 180-degree opposition. Someone once asked me, John, do you think there's anything uh, useful in psychology? And uh, my answer was no. Uh, No, there is nothing useful to a Christian in psychology. Every single psychological theory concerning human nature was concocted, snatched out of thin air, cut out of whole cloth by an atheist Uh, Carl Rogers, Abraham Maslow, the architects of humanistic psychology, atheists. Sigmund Freud, atheist. He's the father of psychology, atheist. B.F. Skinner, the father of the concoctor of behavioral psychologist, atheist. Uh, All these guys were atheists. Uh, Why is the church involving themselves, itself, themselves, uh, whatever the case may be, with people who call themselves psychologists. 
oh, they call them, they're Christian psychologists, John. Explain that to me. Explain how one can blend Christianity in some sort of functional way, blend Christianity, a biblical worldview, with a worldview that was concocted by atheists. How can one do that? The answer, it can't be done except in someone's imagination. That's how it's done. Anyway, I'm also the author of a number of uh, books on parenting family issues, uh, including a book called The Diseasing of America's Children, which is not really about parenting. It's about the fraud, the farce of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It's a farce, folks. If your child has been diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, you need to read this book. Go to your library and ask for or look up The Diseasing of America's Children. I wrote it with a nationally known pediatrician in order to bring a pediatric, a medical point of view into the book and a credible medical point of view. And I dare say it is a fascinating book that will tell you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about not just attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, but the additional forces of oppositional defiant disorder, intermittent explosive disorder, childhood bipolar disorder. Uh, They're all forces, folks. They are constructs. They are inventions. And their purpose is to make money. Through the year, I carry my uh, message, my very traditional, biblically-based parenting message to churches and Christian schools across the country. Anyway, johnroseman.com, where you can also uh, access my upcoming fall 2017 speaking schedule for several reasons. Speaking of parenting advice which is what this program is all about. I am not a fan of parenting magazines. First of all, they are progressive. They are purveyors of new ideas. And I do not believe we need new ideas in order to raise children properly. I believe that once upon a time in America, and a not-so-long-ago time, in fact, as recently as the 1950s and early 1960s, that we collectively knew how to properly raise children in this country. And then we started listening to people like me, psychologists and other mental health professionals, along with a smattering of pediatricians and psychiatrists tell us how to raise children. And That is when things started going to Hades in a handbasket, as my mother would have said, not using quite exactly those words, but you get the point. So I don't like parenting magazines because they promote new ideas in the raising of children, most of which are confusing, by the way. Secondly, and along those lines, they reinforce the impression that the raising of a child is a very complicated affair that requires that one consult with experts on a regular basis. And, and yes, I am aware of the irony of that statement. 
Third, with every issue, parenting magazines raise what I refer to as the good mommy bar. By giving women, their nearly exclusive consumers, more things to think about and more things to do. They give women assignments. And lastly, they often render, well, it's not lastly, actually, it's, it's fourthly, they often render conflicting information and advice. And now, lastly, the advice they dispense is often just downright bad. It's downright bad. Regarding the latter, an article in the April 2017 issue of Parents Magazine one of the worst offenders in the bunch, purports to tell parents how to properly use time out. Now, to put my remarks in perspective, I need to tell you that I was one of the primary popularizers of time out. I began writing my nationally syndicated newspaper column in 1976 from my local newspaper, the Gastonia Gazette, that's where we were living at the time, Gastonia, North Carolina. We've since moved to New Bern, North Carolina. My column became syndicated in 1978, and I began writing about the wonders of timeout and uh, uh, encouraging parents to use timeout as a primary disciplinary consequence during those early years, the late 1970s and early to mid-1980s. I even hold the dubious distinction of coming up with the one minute of timeout for every year of a child's age formula. In other words, it was me who recommended, who came up with, the idea that if your child is three, the period of timeout should be three minutes. If your child is six, the period of timeout should be six minutes and so on. So anyway, and when I would go out and speak in front of an audience during those years, I would spend a good amount of time explaining timeout, explaining how to use it, explaining how wonderful it was. And basically, I was caught up in the idea that timeout was this benign but highly effective means of adjusting a child's behavior. Much to my chagrin, however, I eventually concluded that timeout worked only with children who were already well behaved, children who were already obedient, respectful, responsible, and so on. Those kids folks, only need occasional and relatively minor adjustments, which can include timeout. Timeout can accomplish that. In and of itself, however, timeout is simply, and I began to conclude this because I would recommend, you know, people would come to see me about some, their kids and their kids were misbehaving and I would recommend timeout and They would come back two weeks later and go, wow, John, it's working. And then they would come back two weeks later and go, wow, John, it's not working any longer. And this feedback occurred with such regularity that I had to eventually conclude, oh, I get it. Timeout works 
with children who are already well-behaved, with children who already want to do the right thing, with children who already recognize the legitimacy of their parents' authority in their lives. Uh, Folks, we'll be back with more of this in just a moment. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I am talking about Time Out, and I'm talking about an article that appeared in Parents Magazine, which most of you are probably familiar with. Parents Magazine, April 2017 issue of Parents Magazine, in which parents are being told through interviews with various supposed experts how to properly use time out. And just to review, bring those of you perhaps who have just joined the show up to date, I was one of the popularizers of time out. I pushed it, promoted it very heavily through my syndicated newspaper column and my books and my public appearances in the late 60s and early to mid-1980s. And then... And somewhat to my chagrin, I began to come to the conclusion, slowly but surely, that Time Out worked with children, and only with children, who were already well-behaved, who were already obedient, already respectful, already responsible, who did what they were told, who recognized the legitimacy of their parents' authority, that uh, with children who were what I call high misbehaviors, children who were disobedient, disrespectful, irresponsible, time out was not going to turn the wheel. It would work, generally speaking, for a short period of time only because of the novelty effect, and then it would stop working. In and of itself, time out is simply too weak a consequence to have a significant impact on a child who is a high misbehavior, a disobedient, etc., etc., child. Assuming that said child would even cooperate in sitting still for several minutes without being physically restrained. More on that shortly. Using Back to this article in Parents Magazine. I said at the outset of the program, I don't like parenting magazines. They create the impression that the raising of a child is very complicated, that you need to keep up to date on the latest advances and in understanding how to raise children properly, which should, but folks, all we need to do is understand how our great grandmothers were thinking as they were raising their kids, because it's all a matter of how you think. You either think correctly as a parent, or you think incorrectly. And if you think incorrectly, then you will have problems raising children. It's just that simple. I've said many, many times on this program, the problems today's parents are having with their children, the disobedience, the disrespect, the argumentativeness, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever the problem is, it's your fault. It is not your child's fault. You either think correctly 
And if you think correctly, you get proper behavior from a child. Think correctly, act correctly, and your child will act correctly. Think incorrectly, act incorrectly, and your child will act incorrectly. It's just that simple. You are the primary cause. Your child's behavior is the effect, which, by the way, I recognize that children are sinful. But parent authority properly communicated will hold 99% of a child's sinfulness in check. Anyway, um, using psychologists, psychiatrists, and pediatricians as its expert sources, Parents Magazine makes the same recommendations I was making some 35 years ago, with one exception. Parents Magazine cites a study done by researchers at Oklahoma State University. And by the way, one of the researchers is an individual with whom I have communicated, and I agree with him about most things. He is one of this country's leading researchers into spanking and has found, contrary to what the mainstream mental health community wants you to believe, that spankings do not harm children psychologically and, in fact, has found that children who are occasionally spanked by loving parents score higher on measures of well-being than children whose parents never spank. So uh, this is not a criticism of the researcher in question, but, you know, no one's perfect, obviously. And this researcher at Oklahoma State University, I'm not going to name names, found that the need for timeout is reduced if parents issue warnings, as in, Billy, if you do that again, I'm going to put you in timeout. Okay, so the need for timeout is supposedly reduced if parents issue warnings. Well, I don't doubt that, but that finding is misleading. The goal of any disciplinary consequence is the elimination of misbehavior. At best, Warnings result in nothing more than a temporary abatement of misbehavior, which is what the study measured, and usually make matters worse over time. I'll say that again. The goal of any disciplinary consequence is the elimination of misbehavior. Warnings will result in nothing more than a temporary abatement of misbehavior, a temporary lessening of misbehavior, which is what the study measured, but usually make matters worse over time. And by usually, I mean 99.9% of the time. For the most part, the new and improved timeout technique, and that's what they call it in the article, that Parents Magazine describes echoes my pro-timeout columns from the early 1980s before I concluded that when it came to difficult children who misbehave a lot, timeout was akin to trying to stop a charging elephant with a fly swatter. By adding warnings into the mix, however, new and improved becomes even worse than before. By the way, just a little aside here, 
um, I, I'm suddenly compelled to throw this in. I was speaking, I believe it was in uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, uh, maybe five, six, seven years ago. And a fellow came up to me and he said, uh, John, my uh, daughter works. Uh, she's one of the editors at, at uh, the New York offices of Parents Magazine. And he said, uh, they don't like you. <laughs> and he said it with, you know, a, a sense of good humor and camaraderie. Uh, we were about the same age. He said, uh, they don't like you. And I said, oh, well, I have no doubt about that. They don't like me. I mean, I stand for everything that they don't stand for and vice versa. I, I, um, and and he, he knew that. But I thought it was kind of funny. They don't like you. <laughs> Which, you know, that, that, that is affirming to me that they don't like me. That says that I'm doing what I want to do and accomplishing what I want to accomplish, which is to help parents understand that the proper raising of a child is not a technology. It, it, it does not require that you consult with experts who have impressive credentials and capital letters after their names. And yes, I am one, which is why I can talk about this with credibility. So anyway, Parents Magazine doesn't like me. Yippee. But uh, anyway, going back to this, uh, you know, Parents Magazine article, April 2017, you can check it out yourself. The supposedly new and improved timeout, which uh, is not new and improved. It's the same stuff I was talking about when I was promoting timeout in the late 70s and, and early to mid 1980s through my newspaper column, my books, and my public appearances. But going back to this article, this, this article on the new and improved timeout, by far the article's most absurd recommendations, I mean ridiculous, are highlighted in a sidebar titled, What if my child refuses to go to timeout? And in that event, parents are advised to negotiate in other words, they're advised to say to to handle you know the child saying I'm not going I'm not going to timeout I'm not going to sit in the chair, uh, whatever. Uh, their parents are advised to negotiate, and and the example is given: if you don't go to timeout, then you lose television for the rest of the day. <gasps> wow. Okay, negotiate. And then if that doesn't work, negotiate even more. And the example is given: if you go to timeout now. And sit quietly, I will reduce your timeout from three minutes to two. Well, Mom, how about one? Okay, one then. I mean, th this is absurd. And this is Parents Magazine. And they don't like me. <laughs> and your last recourse recommended by Parents Magazine, if your child refuses to go to timeout, is to put yourself in timeout. Now, this is actually what Parents Magazine recommends. If your child refuses to go to timeout and all of your negotiations, well, if you go, I'll reduce the time to two minutes instead of three. If you don't go, you can't watch uh, television for the rest of the day. If none of that works, then put yourself in timeout. Say something along the lines of, I'm going to my room now, and I'm not going to talk to you for three 
minutes because you hit your brother. That is actually the example Parents Magazine uses. And recommends. Don't laugh, folks. Some parents who read this article are going to actually follow these recommendations and wind up feeling even more racked with frustration, guilt, and stress than they were before. Like I said, even worse than before. This is why Parents Magazine doesn't like me. Well, uh, once again, it's the, uh, you know, echoing Rush Limbaugh, the shortest uh, 30 minutes in, in radio land. Uh, glad you could join us. I'll be back next week, American Family Radio, every Saturday, 6 o'clock Eastern. You can do the math from there. I hope you enjoyed the show. God bless you all, and take care. Be well. Be well.